Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by our good friend Bobby Belt. He hosts the Love of the Star podcast for the Dallas Cowboys. It's an Odyssey Brother podcast. Um, we're happy to have him on today. Bobby, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Dane? Thanks for having me. We're good. We're good. Um, snowing here in Minnesota. We've, we've gotten three straight days of, of little flurries of lucky. snow. You're lucky. So, uh, I don't think it's snowing down in Dallas, huh? No, it never does. It just <laughs> like when it gets cold, it's just cold. And then our uh, electric grid shuts down and everybody's freezing for three days. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, what was that? Two, three years ago, where the snow? Yeah, infected? yeah. I was in a. I was actually. That was. Uh, we we had taken my kids to like a little staycation, so we were in this hotel when it happened. And so then the hotel was without power, and we were kind of stuck. And like, well, we can't freeze here tonight. So I was within driving distance of work. So we drove over there very carefully and uh, had power there and slept in the uh, conference room for two days. There you go. Yeah, everyone in Minnesota was like, they wear this as like a badge of honor, like the snow. They're like, oh, it's only like two inches of snow. How can Texas not handle it? It's like they literally can't. There's no infrastructure no, there. No, and we, 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 we don't have trucks. Right. They don't, exactly. they, they don't sand the roads. The roads are just sheets of ice when we go there. And so and none of us have experience driving on it. Uh, the, the people who aren't native from Texas are are you know transplants from california and they don't know right. how to drive on it either so you know well glad you made it out of that that uh that scary portion of uh of that winter um and thanks for joining us today bobby let's talk about the nfc we'll get into the vikings and cowboys game coming up this sunday but on a broad kind of picture of the nfc like what's your take on it so far like to me like i thought the eagles were the only good team in the nfc i thought there was like a defined tier of like the Eagles and then the rest. Now I'm not so sure there is that defined tier anymore. I still think the Eagles are good, but I think it's just kind of a conglomerate of teams that could make a run. Um, how do you kind of digest the NFC right now? Kind of from a top heavy. Perspective? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's funny last year, a lot of the discussion was, man, the NFC's never been so vulnerable. Right. And, and like we get down here a year later and it's like, it's even more vulnerable this year. Because now, you know, Tom Brady has has not been Tom Brady. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for a lot of the year have not been Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, except when they play the Cowboys last Sunday, I guess. Right. Um, you know, it's just it's a it's a very average, uh, you know, uh, NFC right now. And, and I think you're right. Philadelphia was the top team and, and still may be. Um, but I, I never felt like they were on the tier with. Buffalo and Kansas city. Like, like I felt like that was just a different level. Um, and Buffalo who's had their own struggles in recent weeks. Um, but, but to me, I think that, you know, it's probably Philly and Minnesota right now. Like, like I mean, honestly, it, it's so funny. I keep waiting for Minnesota to, when you just, you, I watched tape on them this week. They're very good. But when I look at it, I'm just like, how many like one possession games totally. in a row can you win? Like, I, I mean, you guys got to be having heart attacks out there. And so uh, there's a little bit of, you know, me wondering how sustainable is that? Uh, I don't I, I, I thought the, the the Eagles honestly kind of reminded me when they were eight. No, remind me of uh, you remember during the covid year that uh, that Steelers team yep. that was undefeated for 11 weeks. And everybody was like, is this really like this doesn't feel like an 11 and 0 team or whatever they were. And so 
kind of felt that way about Philly. Um, but right now it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. I, I mean, it's, I feel like it's probably talent wise. It's, it's Minnesota, Philly, San Francisco near the top. Um, San Francisco hasn't put it together quite yet. Um, but man, it's just a, a vulnerable wide open, uh, NFC and not in a way that everybody's really good. It's that everybody's just very average. It feels like. Yeah. That's kind of like, I look at kind of the Cowboys and put them into like from an outsider's perspective. And I'm curious, we'll kind of touch deeper into the Cowboys on the next segment, Um, but from an outsider's perspective, like the Cowboys are are one I would put into that kind of mixed bag of of teams. And like, I think we agree on the fact that like Philly was the top dog. And now like, I I agree with you when, when you say like, wasn't sure how much that was real and how much it was just kind of a product of, of their schedule and and certain things breaking in their favor. Now I think it's fair to put all of them in that, that same kind of grouping, but the Cowboys, there's a reason they're favored this week. I think it's that defense it's, uh, you know, Dak coming back. It's, and it, I think they would have been favored by more had they not just lost to green Bay last week, but yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's a I, weird thing for me within the NFL. Right. Cause like the Cowboys are objectively better than green Bay, but they lost that can happen on any given week. You look sure. at the Rams last year, they lost three. They, I don't think they won a game in November and then they won the super bowl. So it's like any given week it can happen. Um, but I, I, I would throw the Cowboys in there. What happened last week though? Like, man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, because there's, there's still a lot of, it was one of those things where when we're sitting there at Lambeau and, and the beat is all kind of gathered together and we were talking about the game after it ended, uh, we looked at it and we're just like, even with everything that went bad, they should have won this. Like they, they, this shouldn't have been a game they lost. Like, like it's hard to, to pin it on any one thing that happened. Um, you know, I, I, if you were to, 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 to narrow it down, because I know a lot of people try to throw it on, well, Dak threw two interceptions. Okay. Well, they Dak threw two interceptions and then they went up by two touchdowns. So that right. shouldn't like that had no impact. You should win a game when you're up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, I think that it was in large part, the inability to sustain drives in the fourth quarter. Um, they just, they, whether it be play calling or execution or whatever else, they just couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter on offense. And then on defense, it was you were allowing them to sustain drives. You were allowing them in the running game to keep things going. And then when Rodgers wanted to pick his points to pass, he was able to take advantage of young players like, you know, uh, Kelvin Joseph, who had to step in for Anthony Brown, uh, Deron Bland, who is now the starting nickel guy since uh, Jordan Lewis went down for the year. And so um, I think it was just young players in the secondary uh, getting taken advantage of and an entire unit that was plagued by guys who were were kind of freelancing. Micah Parsons talked about it after the game, the, and J. Ron Kirst mentioned it yesterday, that we can't have guys just doing their own thing. And 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 we had that happen a few mm-hmm. times. Guys who were just going rogue on an assignment or playing hero ball or, or what have you. And so um, I, I think that it, it ultimately comes down to the fact that they just they they couldn't sustain drives on offense and on defense they they were just porous in the run game and that allowed green bay to pick their spots when they wanted to push the ball downfield sure overtime fourth and three first possession of <laughs> overtime yeah from the green bay 35 what's your take that i think it's the right call to go for it like i, I don't know like maybe oh yeah uh, like 
you can take a chance, Brett Maher, you know, kicking the field goal there, but like, that's the right call, right? Yeah, Maher's been great this year, and Maher's got a really big leg, and yet you saw kicking in that direction all night. His totally. kickoffs were going to the 15. Like, like it was just surface, uh, wind, everything else. Uh, that's the same direction that Mason Crosby on their opening drive shorted it mm-hmm. from like 56 or however far he was kicking it from. And so to me, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, what I had a bigger problem with was – you know, Jalen Tolbert lining up offsides. Like, like I mean, I can't even say that that's a, a you know, a, a middle school mistake because my son who played middle school football always knew to look over and get a thumbs up from the ref. Yeah. Yep. And so, uh, I, I mean, it's just an unreal mistake in that sense. And then you get the, uh, you know, you ran the ball deep into Green Bay territory and you got a holding call on Connor yep. McGovern, set you back, and ultimately you never converted on that set of downs. And so uh, I think the holding call was huge, and I didn't like the call on fourth down. Yeah. I thought you could have had a better play design drawn up than you did. And, uh, you know, they, they weren't able to to pass protect long enough for, for Dak to, you know, hit CD lamb, who I think if they would have been able to hold a little bit longer, lamb is open in the middle of the field. But, um, you know, it was just, I think play calling stupid penalties. Uh, the, the, that's what really plagued them in overtime. And then once you give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, you just kind of, I think feel like, Oh, this is Aaron Rodgers again, and he's going to do it again. And, and they're going to lose this game. Yeah. But regardless, I think this matchup, like it, it puts a little bit of a damper on. It could have been what felt like two like peaking Goliaths coming into this game on Sunday. I still think it's going to be a good game. We'll dig more into that when we come back from the break, just kind of what to expect on Sunday. Uh, Bobby, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking around um, more on the Vikings Cowboys when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by our good friend Bobby Belt. He hosts the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, It's a Dallas Cowboys podcast. It's a brother podcast for Odyssey. Uh, We cover the Vikings. He covers the Cowboys. And those two teams are going to clash on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. was kind of hoping the game would get flexed. I know the the rules of of flexing. It was one of the candidates. Um, They flexed Chiefs Chargers last week uh, meaning we knew going into last week that the Vikings and the Cowboys were going to play at three thirty yeah. um, in Minneapolis but man this would have been a fun primetime game man yeah especially because you know uh Dallas uh they very I don't think they'll get flexed out here in a couple weeks but they've got the Colts coming up mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like a totally sexy matchup for December yeah. football um but yeah it's a, it's a little disappointing um especially because i mean they've they've played some entertaining games in in yeah. recent history um in fact i think uh you know dallas has had a lot of success going to minnesota i think they've won the last three going out there um right. and and all three of those games were have been really close have been really tight um the last two of them they've been without dak prescott i mean dak prescott hasn't played there since his rookie year because he's been hurt the last two times um but yeah, this I think this will still be a a a really entertaining, fun game, um, and, and I think that it's too. As much as we talk about the NFC being kind of watered down right now and and, and a little average, I do think these are two of the more just raw, talented teams in the NFC right now. I, I think these are the two teams that that totally. probably have have some of the better players across the board at every position. So. Um, in that sense, I think it'll be a, a really good matchup. I'm stunned Dallas is a favorite, to be honest, um, uh, just because, you know, I, I think that Minnesota has, is going to present a lot of challenges for the way that uh, Dallas likes to play the game. For sure. 
Side note about that last time they were in Minnesota. That was Halloween night, if I remember correctly, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, Cooper Rush start, yep. Okay. Cooper Rush, his wife, I actually went to high school with her. Did you? Yeah. So me and her were like, you know, like high school, like acquaintances, friends, whatever. Like we ran in oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say high school sweethearts. I was we were not. Oh, don't let no. Cooper hear that. No, but I'm sitting down at my girlfriend's house watching the Halloween game last year. And I keep freaking out. I'm like, I know that girl. I know that girl. And because they keep showing her and she's like, well, did you date her or something? I was like, oh, no, we just had like a few classes together. You could have said yes. Nobody would have, <laughs> nobody would have, nobody would have said anything. But it is, it's just funny to watch kind of like her on, on that screen. But he, he was such a cool story this year um yeah before we get into kind of like this game like what 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 did you make of cooper rush like did he like earn himself like backup quarterback for life standard with with what he was able to do um i know there was talk of like should he start over Dak, and that was kind of like the hot takey thing from like a national perspective like no the answer is like that was never gonna happen um but i mean he's got to be among the the top backups in the league that you could have coming in to, to fill in for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, he can, uh, they I'll give Kellen more credit for this. Uh, and you guys have seen it uh, in Minnesota right, two years exactly. in a row. Yep. Kellen Moore does a really good job of tailoring the offense down when they go to backups. Gotcha. Um, they they've had success with Andy Dalton, uh, Cooper rush. Uh, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> I joke about it a little bit, but I'm kind of serious. The best like offensive coordinator job I've ever seen from Kellen Moore was when they scored nine points against Philadelphia with Ben DiNucci <laughs> and just an ugly football game. But like it, it, they should have scored nothing. They should have picked up like 12 yards that game. And and he manufactured some offense for him. And so um, I, I think that what you saw in large part with Cooper Rush was Kellen Moore knowing how to fit the offense to his strengths take advantage of that, not ask him to do too much. I mean, he completed 10 passes against the Rams when they went to LA and won. Um, And so I I think he's, he's great to get you by. And I think that he can function within certain bounds. I think when you see games like the Philly game, where it feels like if you have Dak Prescott in that game, I don't think you lose. Yep. Like like that's a game where you lose because of the quarterback. And so um, I, I, I think he's, He's incredibly solid, um, and and I, I I wouldn't want him starting for a full season, but as a a backup to get you by, yeah, I, I think that he's he's very capable, um, smart guy, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things you heard from a lot of the, his teammates was he's just very level. He doesn't get shaken by having to step in, and and that transfers I think to the rest of the team when they go, okay, if he's not worried, I'm not going to be worried, and so uh, a lot of confidence in him from from the locker room for sure. Yeah, and it's something I guess like can't be overstated, like to have a competent backup like the Vikings didn't have one in, in training camp. They had Kellen Mond who for all intents and purposes will never play it down in the NFL. Um, yeah. And they went out and acquired Nick Mullins because they were like, if Kirk went down, we need to be able to, if Kirk goes down for a month, we need to be able to realistically win two games. And Dak went down for what was it? Six weeks or so. Yeah. They played five games without him. And the fact that Cooper rush was able to keep their head above water, like, essentially in a way saves their season. So it's like a thing with backups in the, in the league. Like if you have one, it's great. If you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah. But that's the key to this offense, right? Like who, who in your opinion is the key you give them the, the car who, who makes this offense go? 
I mean, it's Dak. If Dak struggles, they lose. Yep. If Dak plays well, they win. Like, like that's generally how it goes. Um, and it's interesting. He's he's hit this this weird spot. Second half of last year was very interesting. First half of last year, remember, he was talking about him like he was one of the top MVP candidates of the mm-hmm. NFL yep. and was playing some of the best ball we've seen him play in his life. Um, and then he mm-hmm. has that calf strain, and I just – he came back and he didn't look right um, the rest of the year. And I think that there was a little bit of – he was in his head a little bit about the injuries um, and, you know, because he had broken his ankle, obviously, before started training camp. He had the shoulder strain. Then he has the calf strain, and I think he felt like I can't afford to get hit, and, and the offensive line was having trouble protecting, and so I think it just it, it caused for for some jumpiness with him that's not normally there. But when he's on, uh, he's he's very good. It, it can just it can be inconsistent sometimes. It was inconsistent last week against Green Bay, where you'd see him on one drive and go, "What the hell are you doing?" And then you'd see him on another drive and go, "Like, wow, that looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback." And so yeah. I think it's mainly he goes as uh, or the offense goes as he goes, but. You know, C.D. Lamb had said before the season, and and he's trying to take on more a a, a more vocal role and a, and a, a a stronger presence as the number one receiver. And he said, "I feel like if I don't get going, this offense isn't going to get going." And that was the case last week during regulation. He had ten catches for I think 134 yards, mm-hmm. and he had all ten of those catches and all 134 of those yards on their four scoring drives. And so basically. When C.D. Lamb caught a ball, they scored on that drive. When he didn't catch a ball, they didn't score. And so you can make an argument very, very easily that that Lamb helps them go that way. But, um, you know, they've leaned a lot on the running game this year. But I think at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to specifically that Dak and C.D. Lamb connection. Yeah. I'll be curious how that works this weekend because the Vikings are a team that give up a ton of yards. Their defense gives up a ton of yards, but they're somehow able to – and this doesn't feel sustainable, like turnover, luck turnovers the way the Vikings have been able to force them. Yes. You put teams in vulnerable positions. You're going to force turnovers, but the rate at which they're doing it, it feels unsustainable. So they, they're going to give up a ton of yards and their hope is like, hold them to a field goal or force a turnover. So I think CD lamb should be able to eat this week. I think Dak Prescott should be able to eat this week with Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott. Like one, do you think Zeke will play Two. Do you think Zeke should be the starter? Like, where does that kind of conversation play out in Dallas, where you guys are kind of in this echo chamber every day? Because from an outsider's perspective, a fantasy football perspective, it's like, oh, Tony Pollard. He every time yeah. he touches the ball, it's like he he's averaging five six yards a carry. I think it's probably a little more nuanced than that. What's your take from from being there every day? Yeah, I mean, a long time the argument has been that. Uh, Dak or, or that Pollard just can't pass protect. Okay. And so if you, if you want to push the ball down the field in the passing game, you can't have Tony Pollard in there. Um, and, and so that was been, has been the line for a long time, but look, Zeke is not quite what he was in pass protection anymore. Um, he, he's still solid at it, but he's not quite what he used to be. Pollard has gotten better. He, he's not great, but he's not a black hole anymore. Um, and, and, and so I think that there's, there's a definite feeling that nobody mm-hmm. wants it to just be, Tony Pollard, your bell cow, and nothing for Zeke. I, I think they they just want the roles flipped, where it's more like if Zeke's getting 17 carries and Pollard's getting 12, they'd rather see it as flipped to Pollard 17 and Zeke 12. Gotcha. Um, in fact, I, I looked it up this week. I was curious this season how they've done. So when it's uh, Pollard and Zeke on the field together, they average 2.9 net yards per play, which is awful. 
When it's just Zeke, they average five net yards per play. When it's Pollard, it's 5.9 net yards per play. And so the offense just runs much more efficiently when it's Tony Pollard. And that's Mm -hmm. the passing game and the running Mm -hmm. game. Both of them run more efficiently when you've got Tony Pollard in there on his own rather than splitting, like with both of them in there, their pony package, or just Zeke. Um, So I I get why they want Zeke in there, though. They feel like Zeke's the way he runs with power and, and the punishing way that he runs. They feel that wears defenses down. They like him in pass protection. They feel like he gives juice to the rest of the team. He's an emotional leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those are big things for them. I do think he's going to play this week. Okay. Um, it was iffy last mm-hmm. week, but we were still feeling like it was going to happen until around Saturday. Um, and and so they, I think they felt like, look, we have two games close together because we've got the Vikings game. Then we've got a few days later Thanksgiving against yep. the Giants. Yep. And we, we just can't, we can't risk him not coming back hundred percent against green Bay aggravating something. And then we got two close games back to back where we're not going to have him. So I think they just, they, they aired on the side of caution, wanted to get him hundred percent. Right. And so this week I, I think he'll be back um, because they, they really needed him to just rest up and get healthy for this tight game here, this tight window of games here. For sure. Bobby wanted to ask about Michael Parsons. Um, yes. Best player. He's best really defensive good. player in the league for me, like could be, you could make an argument. He is the best player in the league. Not that's not a quarterback. Like that dude's a freak. Like yeah. w- what's it like to watch him every day? What's it like to cover him and just kind of see the Swiss army knife that he is, that can be used everywhere on the field. He is, he's very, very impressed. I mean, he's an athletic freak. His, uh, you know, I know a lot of people said he was raw coming out and, and he was in a lot of ways, but his natural instincts are incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, like he just, he has a sense of where things are going. Um, and, and a lack of instincts can, can kill you in this league. There, there've been many talented players, <laughs> especially on the defensive side of the ball who didn't have instincts and they couldn't make it. And so, uh, I mean, he's obviously freakishly talented. He's six, three, two and can run as fast as Justin Fields. Um, you know, and, and so that's, that's a, a big help for you. What, what we found is, a lot of teams are, are trying to chip him now. Um, uh, a lot of teams are, are trying to to take him out of the game um, by by forcing him to play more of a traditional linebacker role with the running game, and it, it's been able to take him out of of pass rushing, which is is his biggest strength. But I, I mean, he can cover. Uh, he can play the run well. Last week was not great. He got lost in the trash a few times on some runs to the outside, but. Um, very good instincts, incredible athlete, uh, has become a really good student and really understands the defense, understands his assignments. Um, but he is absolutely just a, a, a joy to watch. Um, and, and just to see, there's usually a few times a game, whether it's pass rushing or not, where you just go, holy cow, yeah. like look at him there. And so um, he's incredibly impressive. And uh, I, I think that they would love to slow down the running game a little bit moving forward so that they can get him back to pass rushing a little <clears> bit more. Cause last week he had to play almost the entire game at linebacker. They didn't get that opportunity to pass rush with him. Sure. Could talk about this defense all day. I want to ask you one more and then I'll ask for like an X factor of this game. Um, sure. Trayvon Diggs, will he shadow Justin Jefferson this weekend? Does he shadow or will it, it, it be one side of the field, the other side of the field kind of thing? They pick and choose times where they have him shadow. Um, he, he will, he's done it against McLaurin. Um, I, I think he followed Jefferson a lot last year, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and did well against him. Um, but, but it, they, they don't always do that. He'll occasionally just play a side. Um, uh, when he is a lot of times you see him playing the right side of the defense. So that's the left side of of the offense, but 
Um, he'll line up to the right side of the defense a lot. Um, that's why they've honestly been able to take advantage of, I think a lot of teams have been able to take advantage of runs to the edge because the, the, the defensive ends have not been strong on the right side of the defense for them in stopping the run. Marcus Lawrence plays the other side. And then you've also got digs and support over there. And it's just, it's been really porous running to the outside there. Um, but I, I would anticipate that to some extent, yeah, he will travel. I don't think it'll necessarily be all game. Um, but I think that you'll see him following a little bit more than he does, uh, you know, from a, a week to week basis. But he, you know, if he's in, you know, if they're in zone coverage, there's a good chance you'll just see him lining up on the right side. Uh, but it, whenever it's man to man, I think they will try to get him covered on Jefferson as much as possible. Sure. Bobby, is there an X factor, offense or defense, special teams, I guess, um, someone that we're not thinking about from like a, 30,000 foot perspective, someone that you guys followed on the daily. Is there someone on offense, defense, or special teams that could come in and just kind of wreck this game for the Vikings? Um, who would that player be to you? I think, see, it's so funny because I mean, all the exposure the Cowboys get, I, I think there's, uh, I think everybody's oversaturated with them. There's not very many uh, anonymous players yeah. here in Dallas, <laughs> but, fair point. Um, you know, I, I think that if I was going to grab one from offense and defense, defensive side, what I could tell on the tape, it looks like there's been some struggles on the uh, the the interior of the offensive line pass protecting, yes. and so uh, I think Oso Digizua, their their three technique, he's uh, he's been able to take advantage of those sorts of matchups in the past. So he's somebody who I, I think could generate some pressure this week, uh, especially if he's on Ed Ingram. Um, and and you've got on offense, I think the Cowboys believe they'll be able to take advantage of some stuff down the seam against Harrison Smith with their tight ends. Yep. And so, uh, I mean, that would be Dalton Schultz. And I know people know that name, but you know, they've got two rookie tight ends here who have been really strong for them. Jake Ferguson, uh, their fourth round pick out of Wisconsin. And then Peyton Hendershot, a guy who went undrafted out of Indiana. But, uh, those three guys have been really strong for the Cowboys this year. And, uh, so I, I would think the tight end group should be able to have some success on Sunday. And, and on the defensive side, I'd, I'd look for Oso Diggy Zua to possibly generate some pressure up the middle. Awesome. Bobby, that's all I got for you. You're going to be in Minnesota for the game on Sunday. I'll be there. I'll all be right. there Saturday. We will, uh, we'll get up there. We'll, maybe we'll share a meal in the press box, but we appreciate, we appreciate you stopping by to inside purple and gold guys. He hosts the love of the star podcast. Um, it's an odyssey brother podcast. They, they follow Dallas Cowboys. Uh, give them a follow too. We appreciate Bobby stopping by. Uh, we come back, we'll talk a little bit prop lines, player props, things like that. But, Bobby, we really appreciate your time and really looking forward to Sunday. Appreciate you. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. I wanted to thank Bobby Belt. Uh, he was great. He, he covers the Cowboys. He will be in Minnesota on Sunday to cover that clash between the Vikings and the Cowboys. Um, he was amazing in the first two segments. A lot of good insight. So let's just – uh. I wanted to thank him and kind of get that, you know, in, in the universe that we appreciate him being on. <clears throat> we appreciate you guys listening too. Um, if you are listening right now and you're not following us, please shoot us a follow. Um, we're inside purple and gold anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts. Um, if you follow us every episode, we drop three times a week. We'll end up right on your phone or on your computer or wherever you listen. And you can kind of just join us for this ride. Um, if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating, give us a review. That helps us too. So um, we're going to do the Purple Prop Party, our weekly Thursday segment. It's where we kind of take 
Look at the game lines from DraftKings Sportsbooks. We used to do player props from DraftKings Sportsbook, but when we record on Thursday mornings, a lot of those player props are not out. Um, so we use a app called Prize Picks. Um, this is not a promotional. They're not paying me to say this, but Prize Picks is a pretty fun app to go that you can bet over unders and they have all the player props posted pretty soon in the week. So we're using that now as our player prop. Um, we are still using the DraftKings game line over under things like that. So this weekend's game at U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings at eight and one are somehow dogs. They're home underdogs this week, playing host to the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, who just lost to the Green Bay Packers last week. Minnesota, who just beat the Buffalo Bills last week on the road. Yet Dallas comes in minus one and a half. So the Vikings one and a half point underdogs this weekend, um, which is essentially a pick them kind of. Um, but when you look at generally speaking in like the betting world, home teams get three ish points, right? So if this was truly something where these teams from a Vegas perspective were viewed as the same, you would assume the Vikings to be like minus two, minus two and a half. The fact that they're plus one and a half means Vegas feels a certain way about this Vikings team and how they stack up against the Cowboys. Perhaps it's the people who make these lines. I want to say are are much smarter than me. Um, There's a lot of money on the line. So this is not some, while it might be something where we're saying, wow, how can the Vikings be home underdogs at eight and one Um, Vegas knows what they're doing, but the Vikings are home underdogs this week. The over under 47 and a half. My prediction for the game, like I'm having a hard time picking against the Vikings. I picked against them last week. I think I picked against them last week on this show. And if you are a religious listener to us, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm drawing a blank here, but I believe I picked the Vikings to lose to the Bills, the Bills to cover. And I said, even if Case Keenum is the starter, because when we recorded last week, we thought Case Keenum was going to be the starter. Picked against them. They proved me wrong. I will not pick against them this week. I think the Vikings win. I think they win. You know, I think they are the dogs. So they're giving, you know, they're plus one and a half. I think they went out right. Um, I think the money line is a good bet. Um, I think it's like plus 105. So it's not like if you're betting the Vikings, you are betting that they win the game. You're not betting that they lose by one point. But I think the Vikings win this week. Um, I think the over-under, I think the 47 and a half, take the over there. Um, these two teams score a lot. Um, I think these two teams both kind of are going to come out and, and want to prove something. And while they both play like three or four days later on Thanksgiving. I think this is a game you're going to see them leave quite a bit out there. Um, It's a tough NFC matchup Um, and and kind of something where the winner of this will be viewed as a team to be feared in the NFC. Um, Not to say the loser is someone that you can just write off completely. um, But I think if the Vikings win, they establish themselves as a continued legitimate Super Bowl contender. If the Cowboys win, it helps them bounce back from pretty bad loss to Green Bay last week. So I have the Vikings winning this game outright. I would say 
forget about the the spread and just go ahead and take the money line if you want the Vikings and go ahead and hammer the over. Um, this these teams are going to go over forty seven and a half. If I was guessing, our player prop bet. It's always Justin Jefferson. Over under ninety five and a half receiving yards. See that one's tough because as Bobby Belt just said on our previous segment. He thinks Trayvon Diggs is going to follow Justin Jefferson, is going to shadow him a good chunk of the game. Trayvon Diggs is someone who is a high-risk, high-reward cornerback where he's either going to intercept the ball or it's going to be a long game the other way. Um, He is someone I think the analytics crowd can kind of break down because while he garners a lot of interceptions, Trayvon Diggs, he gives up a lot of receiving yards as well. Um, so I think Justin Jefferson, I honestly think he's kind of matchup proof. I think Trayvon Diggs is going to present some sort of a challenge for him, but I think 95 and a half, um, if I'm betting the Vikings to win the game, then I'm definitely betting Justin Jefferson to go over 95 and a half because this offense goes as he does. As we saw last week, he puts up 193, 10 catches Vikings win. Um, Hall's in the greatest catch of all time. We broke that down in Tuesday's episode. I think I told you I was going to give you a top five. I gave you a top six instead. Um, Justin Jefferson, I think according to the NFL next gen stats last week, nine of his 10 receptions in that game were like an expected completion percentage under 50%, which basically means he wasn't supposed to catch the ball. And he did. Um, When he is covered, he is still open. That is what he proves week in and week out. So all of that kind of adding up, who cares that Trayvon Diggs might follow him. If he does, it will be a challenge. If he doesn't, Justin Jefferson will win that matchup 10 times out of 10 against if it's Anthony Brown, Calvin Joseph, whoever the Cowboys throw at him that's not named Trayvon Diggs. But even if it is Trayvon Diggs following him, Justin Jefferson is going to get his. Um, He is him, 95 and a half receiving yards. Take the over there. Um, Just kind of bonus one, CeeDee Lamb, 74 and a half receiving yards. You heard Bobby Belt say on our last segment, the offense goes with Dak, but it also goes with CeeDee. Patrick Peterson's been really good over the past month. They don't expect him to shadow. He hasn't yet. Um, We don't know. Cam Danzler's out. Caleb Evans is in concussion protocol. There's a chance Andrew Booth Jr. is the cornerback suiting up alongside opposite Patrick Peterson. If the Cowboys choose to move C.D. Lamb across the formation, away from Patrick Peterson at times, I believe 74.5 is something that's going to hit the over. Um, he's been C.D. Lamb has been much, much better as of late, and I expect that trend to kind of continue against the Vikings. Um, you look at his past four games, 83 yards, 70 yards, 77 yards, 150 last week. So 74 and a half seems like a good bet. If you want to take the over there, go ahead and parlay those two. Let me know if you win. And uh, if you cash out on prize picks this week, I won't even ask for any of your money. Just give us a follow. Give us a follow. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We do this every week. We will be back Sunday after the game. I will be there at U.S. Bank Stadium. We will be recording as soon as I wrap up my work over there um, and getting you this podcast as soon as we can. So that's all I got this week. We want to thank Bobby Belt again, and we will see you Sunday.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.